you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 6. It, the screen, scripture will be on the screen back here behind me here in a few moments uh, as well. And you can follow along there or in your smartphone app on the YouVersion Bible app. Just click on More and then Events and then follow Ridge Church. And uh, you can follow along right there as well. We, uh, we start this, this new series today, and it's called Planting Trees. And I want to read you where it actually comes from. There's a verse. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. The, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 8, uh, it says this. It says, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. And so uh, I love this verse. I, I remember reading this verse actually probably about four or five years ago for the first time. And it really just hitting me like a, like a ton of bricks. And I, I remember just focusing on that part where it says that he is a tree that is planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And so uh, this idea for this series called Planting Trees was really birthed out of that. And the idea around this is, is really this. It's that the way that we build something that lasts starts with generosity. And it's the generosity of God that drives our generosity if we believe we are called to reflect who God is. And so this series for the next couple of weeks is going to be all about generosity. But don't get nervous. Don't get worried. Like, take a deep breath. Like, we've already taken up the offering. We're not going to take another offering up, okay? So, like, don't eat. This is... this. This series is so much more than just money. In fact, really, what it's mostly about is your heart. See, generosity is a heart issue. It's not a wallet issue. And so generosity, whether it be God's generosity toward us, as we're going to look at today, or our generosity uh, being propelled and powered by His generosity toward us, it all starts in the heart. And when we begin that way, then we can actually build up stuff, as we're going to see in this scripture here in just a moment, we can actually build up something that has an eternal, lasting impact, not just an earthly impact, not just a material impact. And so if this series sounds familiar, it's because we actually do it every year for the past couple of years. We do uh, a version of the Planting Trees uh, series, and we did it last year, and we're going to continue to do it because it's important to come back around and marvel and just gaze and take a deep breath when we look at the generosity of God toward us. Because when we center our hearts around His amazing generosity, it's going to help inform and lead us in our own generosity toward others. In fact, uh, here at the Ridge, one of our core values, when you walk out the hallway down here and uh, down toward the cafe, you see our core values up on the wall out there. One of our core values here at the Ridge is that we will model generosity. That's because we believe that, that God has modeled generosity for us. He has shown us who he is through his generosity. Just like we read just a few moments ago that God so loved us that he gave. And you see that word gave, you see the word give, we're talking about generosity. We're talking about generosity. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little more uh, as we go on. But in order for us to, to properly model generosity, we have to understand the root of it. We have to understand where it comes from. And, and here's where it comes from. We've already kind of alluded to this already, but I'll, I'll say it again probably in multiple ways today. But generosity is not what comes out of our hands. It's what comes out of our heart. Generosity is not what comes out of our hands. It's what comes out of our hearts. And you and I, if we are 
followers of Christ, if we are believers, we call ourselves Christians, we are called to model generosity, not only with our money, but with our lives. It's not just limited to money. It includes our talents. It includes our time. It includes our resources. It includes everything that has been given to us, that has been generously given to us. Because we have experienced the generosity of God ourselves. We are called to model that generosity back toward us. But first, we can't, we can't do any of this without the reordering of our hearts around it. Otherwise, it'll be hard for us to fully enjoy the generosity of God and be generous to others if our hearts are not reordered around that. Because let me tell you, the last thing that God wants from any of us is our begrudging submission. It's the last thing that He wants from any of us. It's why we see in the Scriptures over and over and over again when we, when, uh, we talk about generosity, we talk about giving, we talk about possessions or money or any of that stuff, the way that God paints the picture of generosity, in fact, He, pa- he, he paints it like this. He says that God loves a cheerful giver. There's that word give again, right? It's, it's because God's not saying, you know what, I'm going to have to, I, I really love ripping stuff out of your hands. That's what I really love to do. No. No. He doesn't want our begrudging submission. He wants our joyful submission and obedience. It's about delighting in how good the Father has been to us. Because it's not what comes out of our hands. It's what comes out of our heart. So for the next two weeks, I just want us to to really look at the generosity of God and and ask ourselves, in light of his generosity toward us, how should that inform and shape my generosity toward others? And again, in case you're still nervous, this series, again, it's it's so much more radical than just money, okay? So much more radical than just money. Being generous is not about what we have, but rather it's about what we do with what we have. So if you have a Bible, look at it together. Matthew chapter 6 starting in verse 19. I'm going to read some verses here, and then we'll just kind of unpack it as we go along. Okay, Uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. This is what he says, okay? So it says this. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other cannot serve both God and money. There's a guy by the name of uh, Tim Keller, and Tim Keller is, uh, he's a pastor in New York, he's a theologian, he's a writer, and he's written extensively on the generosity of God, some really great stuff, and so in fact, uh, some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning come out of some of the writings of Tim Keller, because I think he makes some really great points around this idea of, especially this passage of scripture, and how this informs our own generosity, and so I want to give you just Really, three quick things as we unpack this uh, that that, uh, Keller points out, and we're just going to kind of into our own context here. But uh, Keller says this, especially in this scripture, he talks about this. He says that that, um, 
this passage of scripture, it, yes, it is about money, absolutely, but it's so much more than just money. In fact, what it really does is it paints a picture of, of what money does in us and to us. And so he, he gives us two things real, real quick. He says that money does this. He says that money, it blinds us. That's number one, that money, it blinds us. Look at verse 22. This is a sort of a confusing passage if you just kind of skip over it. And it kind of, if you read through this whole thing like we just did a moment ago, it, it doesn't make sense unless you unpack it. But verse 22, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, we were talking about treasures and how we store those up on earth and treasures are in heaven right before this. And then he goes into this. It kind of seems out of place. But he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, or in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so what he's saying here, what Jesus is trying to convey, he's trying to say that if your eye is dark, your whole body is dark, which makes it easy for us to stumble. He's basically saying that if all you see is darkness, you're going to step on a Lego. Amen, parents? And that's not good, right? That hurts, like really, really bad, right? There's no pain greater, I don't think. And so Jesus is basically saying, he's saying, look, if all you see is darkness, if you are blind to what's happening around you, then you're walking in darkness, and darkness will cause you to stumble. And we know this is about money. We know this little two-verse section here is about money because it's what he's talking about beforehand, and it's what he's talking about after. And so money, it blinds us by making us think that we are better than we are when we have it, and it makes us think that we are worse than we are when we don't, doesn't it? Like when we have money, we feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? We feel good, we feel powerful, we feel like we can do things, and therefore we become blind to our own blind spots at that point. Now, hear, hear me when I say this. Money is not a bad thing not a bad thing at all in fact i believe that 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 god doesn't care if you have money like I, I don't think that he's upset by that like if you would consider yourself rich then you know what i think god is actually okay with that what he cares most about is what we actually do with it i think that that's what matters the most and that's what he's actually getting out here and so when we have it we become blind to our own blind spots but when we don't have it we feel the opposite of that we feel powerless and therefore useless in our own contribution to God's kingdom around us. We think about ourselves like when we don't have money, we think to ourselves, well, I, I'm not rich, I don't have money, I don't have things, I don't have possessions. Well, then, you know, I can't give, I can't do, you know, I can't do anything. I can't, do, I can't contribute to God's kingdom because I don't have whatever, right? And so that's what Jesus is saying here about the eyes, saying that, that the darkness, it, it blinds us. It keeps us from being able to see what's, what's around us. And, and it reveals our blindness that way. That's the first thing. The second thing that we see here that, that Keller points out for us is he says this. He says that money, it reveals what controls us. It reveals what's con what controls us. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, we know this one. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So why is this important? Why is it important that, that where we find our treasure, then there we will also find our heart? Well, that's important because our heart is where our emotions, our disciplines, our self-being, and our lives are. That's where our heart is. And if our treasure 
is where our heart is, or if our heart is where our treasure is, then our emotions are, are there, our disciplines are there, our self-being is there, our self-worth is there, our lives are found and centered around there. And so where your treasure is will alter how you and I, how we see the world and how we operate in the world. You want to know, like just a good test, if you want to know where your treasure is, all we have to do is, all, is, is we just look at how we spend our money. If you want to know where your treasure is, you want to know where our heart is. If our, if our heart is where our treasure is, if you want to know where that's at, all we have to do is ask ourselves, how do I spend my money? How do I spend my money? I think it's an important question for, for all of us. If you don't believe me, go home and do it. Most of us won't because we're afraid of what we're going to find, right? What we value in this life can always be changed in the way that we spend for example, if I looked at my bank account, here's what I would find. I would find that I spend a large amount of money on time away with my family. That's what I would find. I would find where we spend money on going on vacations, on short little weekend trips, camping trips, things like, you know, different things that we do on the weekends, Saturdays. We hang out together. We do things like that. We spend an inordinate amount of money on those things. Now, let me say this. You're like, because that sounds like one of those things where I would say, well, I guess my downfall would be that I just pay too much. Like, it's one of those confessions that sounds really good, you know, that, you know, but I, I don't say that because um, I'm trying to make myself look good. And that, here's what I'm actually saying about this, because this is really dangerous. Uh, and and this, this is what's been revealed to me when I, when I think about this for myself. Um, I say this to point out that if, if my wife and I are not careful, even the good things, even good things like family, can become little t God things to us. And when good things become God things, then those end up being bad things. Not, again, I'm not saying that family is a bad thing. I think we should invest in family. I think that that and we should absolutely do that but when I elevate and it doesn't matter if it's family it doesn't matter if it's possessions it doesn't matter if it's whatever you, you, you put it there like it doesn't matter what you put there but anytime I elevate that thing to become a little g God thing then that thing is elevated over who God is and what I think about him and how I worship him when I elevate that over God then that automatically becomes a bad thing God never designed it to be that way never designed it to be that way. He designed it to be him first, him first, him first. Everything else falls in place. Now, maybe, maybe for you, maybe for you, maybe you think to yourself, well, I don't really spend a lot of money. Like, I'm a, I'm a saver. Like, I save a bunch of money. I don't spend it on anything. I don't, you know, I'm very good with my money. I'm an investor. You save lots of money or you invest lots of money to make money. And, and again, those aren't bad things when you think about those things. There's nothing wrong with saving money. You should. We should invest. Like we should do all of those things. Those are not bad things. But unless all we do is save or invest and it never leads to generosity, then our treasure is in security. That's where our treasure is. And so our heart will be there. And so, again, if you want to find out where your heart is and what your treasure is, just look at the way that you spend money. 
Look at the way I have to look at the way that I spend money. You have to look at the way that you spend money. We will always find our heart in God. Always. That's what Jesus says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So look, those are the really two things that, that Keller really points out here and says, we have to look at these things, we have to orient ourselves around these things, and we have to notice these things. Like if we miss the fact that money can blind us, then that can be a bad thing. If we miss the fact that, that it reveals what actually controls us, then that can be a bad thing. And so how then do we break the power of money over us? How, do we, how is that broken over us? Well, I think there are really three ways around that, and these are just really practical things that, that we can do. And number one is this, is that the first thing that we have to do is we have to locate our heart, and then we have to relocate it. We have to locate our heart, and then we have to relocate it. And exactly what I just said, we have to look at where we spend most of our money. We have to find where our treasure and our heart are meeting up. We have to locate it, and then we have to relocate it at that point. Have you ever seen on... Um, like on a word processor, you have that little function, the find and replace function, right? Like you can uh, open that little box up, and there's a little search box in there, and you can just type in a word, and it'll find it in your document. And then you can type in another word, and you can replace that. Every time that word shows up, you can replace it there. It's the same thing, right? Find and relocate. Find and relocate. Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. I think it, yeah, there it is on the screen. It says this. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him. So Paul says it this way, he says that, that if we want to relocate our hearts, we have to set our minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And the way that Jesus puts that in this uh, passage of Scripture, he says, Don't lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, what Jesus is doing, he is painting a picture for us and saying that everything earthly is going to go away. Everything. Everything. It will all fade away. It will not last. So why invest so much money, time, and energy in the things that don't last? Instead, invest it in the things that will have eternal life. Seeing lives changed and transformed. Pouring the gospel out of yourself. God's generosity toward you into someone else and impacting their eternity. Those are things that last. That is planting a tree. It's like we see trees, right? We see trees around us all over the place. Literally, we could be sitting here and like, man, that tree must be like hundreds of years old unless you find out that it's actually probably like thousands of years old, right? Like it's just, they last. And that's what we have to do is we have to locate where our treasure is and we have to relocate it. We have to move it from the earthly and, and put it into the eternal. We must treasure Jesus. We have to treasure him above all things. Maybe maybe you think to yourself, well, you know what? I do treasure Jesus. Like, I, I believe. I, I believe in Jesus. See, treasuring Christ is more than just belief. 
more than just beliefs. If we believe, but we still treasure other things, then we don't truly treasure Christ. If we treasure other things above Him. In fact, this is what He says, Jesus Himself, He says that, that we're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. And we cannot serve both God and money. The only thing that can help us relocate our heart is to see Jesus and his generosity toward us as possible. I mean, think about his generosity toward us. He had everything in, in heaven, and yet he left us. He had everything in heaven, and he left us. He came to us to be with us. It's the Christmas story, right? We're about to celebrate Christmas here in a couple of months. That's kind of crazy, isn't it, when you think about that? But uh, we're, we're about to celebrate Christmas here in a couple of months, and, and it's really the Christmas story that God incarnate, that he came to be with us in the flesh, that he entered into humanity. Think about this. He left the riches and the throne of heaven, and he entered into a manger that was not his, a feeding trough of cattle. And it was not even his. And then when he died, he was placed into a tomb that was not his. He had no home. He had no money. He had no possessions. He had nothing. But yet in heaven he had everything. Why would he do that? Why would he leave everything and come and enter into a mess, into nothing, to have nothing? Why would he do that for us? For you. For me. Because of his generosity toward us. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says it like this. It says, But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That word royal means something. Like you're not just somebody. You're not just anybody. Like, God doesn't look at you and he's like, ah, it's just, you know, it's whatever. Whoever, I don't even, I don't even know that person's name. No. He, he knows us so well and so intimately because the Bible tells us that he formed us and knit us and put us together. Like, he is the maker. Have you ever made something? You ever made something and someone was like, hey, that has, and you're like, no, 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 see, I put it together like this. Like, you know everything there is to know about it, don't you? Like, you can tell, like, what kind of material you use to, to put in it. Like, you can tell, like, the size of every little bolt, you know, the angle of every single cut. Like, you know all of that because you put it together. You are the maker. And God says, I made you. I know you. Like, you're not just somebody to me. You are royal priesthood to me. And I chose you because I made you. Like, I picked out some kids. I went to Hobby Lobby. That's where he would shop, right? Ain't no Walmart in here. Who would make that? Anyway, so I'm just kidding. Like, but like, like he he made he made you. Like he picked it out. And so he knows us. He says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own, God's own possession. Listen, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He made us his treasure so that we would make him our treasure. Nothing else. And this is his generosity toward us. He gave everything for us. And so when I say that we are generous because he was first generous to us, this is what I mean by that. 
he becomes our treasure, and we'll be free from the power and control of money and stuff, because then money and stuff just becomes just that, just stuff. So that's number one, is that we need to locate our heart and then relocate it. And then quickly, the last two. Secondly, we have to we have to give to God first. We have to give to God first. Like, ah, I knew it. I knew it was coming. There it is, preacher. Hold on. We can talk about giving to God first monetarily, and that's absolutely true. God does call us to that, and I'm not going to skirt around that. I'll stand right up here and say that every single day, every single time. But I think that we're so... Uh, we, we know that. Like, you don't even have to come to church to hear that because everybody talks about that. Every time I go to church, all they want to do is talk about me giving my money, right? Like, we know that. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that a little more next week. And so you guys can go ahead and take vacation next week. Um, no, don't do that. It's going to be so practical. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so great next week. Um, so here's what I want to talk about. When I'm talking about giving to God first, yes, absolutely, it does include monetarily. But here's, here's what it also includes. It includes your time. It includes your talents. It includes your resources. It includes all of those things. In fact, giving to God first means that, that we schedule everything around Him versus scheduling God around everything around us. That means I schedule, I, I schedule the way that I spend my money. We have to, Denaire and I, my wife, we have to schedule the way that we spend our money, the way that we honor Him. We have to schedule our time around the way that we want to honor Him. We have to schedule our talents around the way that we want to honor Him. It's not the other way around. Too often we spend so much of our time and energy going, oh man, look at my schedule, look at how crazy it is, or look at all this money that I've spent. Now I've got to figure out a way to fit God in here. And guess what gets left out? have to give to him first. We have to prioritize him. Jesus says it right here in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then last, third, thirdly, we have to look for ways to use our time and our talents to practice generosity. We have to look for ways to practice generosity. First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen, it says this. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. Does that sound familiar? So that they may take hold of what is truly life. We have to find ways to do, to do good. That's what this says here. Find ways to do good. And so you and I, as, as we think about our generosity toward others and, and, and the way that we orient our generosity, how can you do good? How can, you, how can you use what God has given you and what God has blessed you with? How can you do that? And we're going to talk about that like in so such practical ways here next week. And again, not just monetarily. But there is, there is so much. You, you can do good. Every single person in here, you can do good. We just came out of a series last week 
uh, finished up a three-week series called How to Neighbor. And we talked about the, the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. essentially talking about how we can do good to the people around us. You can do good. Like, you don't even have to be a, a follower of Christ to do good to others. You can do good. We can find ways to do good. Um, speaking of doing good, I'll give you a great example of this. There's a uh, there's a family in our church that that wanted to that wanted to do good, and and, uh, and they did, and, and and I love what they did. <laughs> uh, there's a family in our church who saw a need and they met a need. This is what we talked about in our uh, how to be a neighbor series. Is that when you see a need, meet a need. Don't go around the, you know, the, the, the good story of the Good Samaritan. Don't go to the other side of the street. Like, meet the need. When you see a need, meet a need. And so this family in our church, they saw a need and they met a need. They, they found a way to do good. They knew that they alone, by themselves, couldn't do good by themselves. And so they went and they gathered, the, gathered a whole bunch of other people to, to do it with them. And so here's what they did. They saw a need. They saw a, a single mom who was struggling to pay her bills be able to have a car to provide transportation for you know what this family did they went and they got a bunch of other people together and said hey we should do this for them and they actually went and they bought a car for this mom and they gave it to her free of charge said here we're going to give this to you you need this we want you to have this and so they gave it to her they saw a need and they met a need and they found a way to do good look when you think about it, that's generosity. The only thing that powers that kind of generosity is the generosity of God toward us and to us. And we look at that and we marvel at that and we go, I can't repay God for this, but I can be generous in some way, somehow to others. And that's what he's calling every single one of us to do. Every single one of us to do. Um, as I close, there's a, uh, it's an old hymn that, that I used to sing uh, in church all the time. And uh, it, it was one of those ones that uh, I remember growing up in church and, and singing hymns. And, and we sing hymns here at the Ridge, too. Just They just sound a little bit different. but uh, and, and some of them are a little more modern than maybe the ones that you grew up with. But, you know, like I think last week we played a few hymns that were that different. Last week, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and so, uh, like, Nothing But the Blood and, you know, Jesus Saved It All, stuff like that. Those are good hymns. Or, uh, you recognize those, and we do those here at the Ridge. But uh, there was um, there was one that I remember growing up singing all the time that uh, I thought about as, as I was preparing for this series, and it is, uh, I think, very relevant to us right now. There's this hymn that's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and uh, the chorus of it says this. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full at his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely light of his glory shall fade. The things of this earth will pass away. It's going to be gone. It's going to disappear. You know what's going to last? You know what's always going to be there? Jesus. As we think about his generosity toward us and where we, where we are putting our generosity Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word this morning. God, we thank you for how it 
touch to our hearts, God, and reveal to us, God, maybe our blind spots, Father, where we have um, maybe ignored or, or, or been blind to, God, or have chosen to, um, to not address, God, but your word, uh, God, lays those right out in front of us. So, Father, uh, as we, we, we have heard your words, God, God, we pray that above all, Father, God, that we be courageous enough to take our next step. God, maybe to to lay uh, to lay our our hearts at your feet. God, that, that we locate our heart, God, that we find where our treasure and our hearts meet up, God. God, and we look to relocate it at your feet. God, give us the courage to do so. Take that next step. God, to repent and turn from from sin, God, to um, seek to treasure you above all things for all days. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand to your feet as we sing this song together and we just continue to respond? We just ask that, that maybe you uh, continue to pray, uh, continue to just ask God where where your heart and your treasure meeting up, and maybe you just need to to take that and and lay that at the feet of Christ. We invite you to come and take communion with us. We have the the bread and the the juice, the, 